0: Welcome, everyone, to the Talking Reef Podcast. Questions and comments are always welcome. Please send them to podcast at talkingreef.com. And don't forget to visit our website at www.talkingreef.com. Now, here's the show. Welcome to the Talking Reef Podcast, the podcast that brings you topics and discussions on marine and reef aquariums. I'm your host, Rob Weatherly. Well, actually, I'm not going to be hosting the show this week. This week is going to be hosted by Jake Adams. Um, and you remember Jake from uh, the multiple... Uh, he's done multiple shows for us in the past and is going to be doing another one for us this week. Now, for the last year, Jake has been working on a free service for reef keepers called Coral Idea. Coral Idea is a free resource... Um, for identifying corals, clams, and anemones, uh, and getting lots of information about them. Uh, now, that in of itself isn't, you know, isn't the whole thing. There's, he's also got a, a site dedicated for this where you can actually get the. Uh, the really cool part, which is a free download for mobile devices such as iPods and smartphones and PDAs and and, and such, which includes over 600 images that you can use to identify various types of invertebrates on the go, uh, which is really cool if you need to get a, a, a good identification of something over at a friend's house or in a local fish store. Uh, so make sure you check out www.coralidea.com for more information on that project of his. Um, now, for this week's show, uh, Jake is going to be interviewing Tulio Della Kia. Now, Tulio has been one of the driving forces behind the development of LED lighting uh, for aquarium use. Uh, he's recently harnessed his experience with the aquarium lighting systems to start his own uh, aquarium lighting line called Omega Star. Uh, This is going to be affiliated with Omega Sea Fish Food. Uh, His line features high-tech advancements such as halide ballast with indicator lights to notify Aquarius that their bulbs need to be replaced, and fanless pendants, which are going to run a lot cooler than normal. Uh, His products will be ideal for local fish stores because... uh, because they're going to be uh, available through independent retailers. And uh, more information on, on that stuff can be uh, obtained by visiting OmegaC.net. Uh, now, one of the really cool things here is uh, a lot of people have been asking for a long time about in-depth and detailed information on LED lightings. Uh, and it's been great that Jake had the, the opportunity to do this interview because uh, we're getting a an interview from somebody that actually understands the technology uh, and is not... Uh, bringing it to you it, yes Tulio is coming from you know he's he's has a product and he's going to be selling a product uh, at, at some point uh, but he's not the interview is not based on a you know a commercial product and it's not uh, biased towards trying to sell something it's, it's a, a very good very technical well not very technical it's it's uh, it'll be comfortable for everybody to listen to. So it's if you're looking for information on LED lighting, this is going to be one of the best sources for you to get it. So with that being said, I'm going to turn it over to Jake and to Tulio to talk about LED lighting.
1: Good afternoon. My name is Jake Adams, and I'm here at uh, Saltwater U3 at uh, fabulous Atlanta, Georgia. The guys here are putting on a great conference, and they've brought out uh, a lot of great speakers. And uh, joining me today is an expert on uh, LED technology, uh, Tulio Della Chia. Thank you very much for joining me, Tulio.
2: Thank you, Jake. It's a pleasure to be here. So how are you liking the conference so far? Oh, it's a great conference, having a great time. The guys have put on a great show, and the speakers, uh, uh, like I said, they all did a great job.
1: Excellent. Well, we look forward to uh, the Atlanta Club hosting uh, MACNA 20 next year. I'm sure that's going to be a fabulous event, but... um, so uh, just to get started on our topic, uh, Tulia, can you tell me um, just some basic information about LED, what it is, and
2: what it's used for? Okay, well, LEDs have been around essentially since the 1960s. Um, they were just commonly used as indicator devices, different things like that. Um, over the last 10 years, they've really taken a jump as far as the technology sense goes. And LED in itself is essentially a light-emitting diode. Diodes have been around for a very long time. Um, And it was, in fact, back in the late 50s, early 60s, um, that they'd accidentally discovered that these diodes, years ago they used to be made, uh, uh, if you've seen a diode, it was encased in a clear glass casing. And they discovered that they had emitted infrared. Um, Well, an LED light-emitting diode, it's basically semiconductor material, positively and negatively charged. And what they discovered is that the gapping between the semiconductor material would affect the wavelength output of light. So the longer the, the 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 greater the gap, the longer the wavelength. So they started getting into blue and you know other other colors as far as that.
1: So how long has it been since we've had actually uh, visible light LEDs?
2: We've had visible light LEDs since probably about the 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 early to mid sixties. Right. Oh wow. Yeah. Yep. Since about early to mid sixties, it's only in about the past ten years that literal leaps and bounds have been made with the technologies where uh, the dyes have gotten a lot better, the manufacturing process, um, um, the size of the LEDs have gotten a lot bigger. They're now incorporating phosphors, both organic and synthetic. Um, so it's just amazing where the technology is, is, is going. So,
1: so how did you get started working with LED lighting?
2: Um, actually, quick, quick long story short, what had happened was... Um, what had happened was I was working with a company, and this is actually how my company got started, the start of what's What of is ARAD. your company? Um, Red is Aquatic Research and Development, and we're essentially a contract manufacturer and designer for the aquarium trade. We, At one time or another, we've manufactured for a bunch of the large companies in our industry, lighting design, luminaire design, things like that. Um, what had happened was I was the founding partner of Ared. I had a very, very small company. And what I was doing was product testing and essentially of, 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 of developing technologies for the aquarium and other industries. I was working with a company, and I was driving in my car one day. Actually, I was going to a meeting, and I heard on the radio there was an interview. This was at the time of the big anthrax scare. I don't even remember if they had that big anthrax right, thing right. going on. Well, there was a company that was working with the government, and they were developing this biological screening system. And they needed a visible, essentially a visible x-ray. They needed a means that they could have a very bright, controllable source of light, that they could pass through papers and envelopes and look for suspicious content. Um, I was currently working with a technology. It actually wasn't LED. It was cold cathode fluorescent, which is what they use for laptops and other applications. But anyway, with this company, the LED, they were working with GM um, and, and developing... LED systems for automotive use and stuff like that. So I I, I was helping them work with some of that uh, uh, on on some of those projects. And what had happened was this this company developing this anthrax machine, um, I knew the radio station disc jockey that was doing the interview, and there was a big gap in what they were attempting to do, and it's too long and in-depth to get into it in our conversation here, but long story short, they had contacted me, and I helped them solve... Uh, uh their lighting solution, if you will, for this visible plate. And so that's how I got actually involved in in, in LEDs. So
1: how did you make the, the transition from that industry into the
2: aquarium? Well, I was I, I I was always a reef guy. I mean I've been keeping you know I've been keeping tanks for over twenty years myself and instantly when I was working with the cold cathode technology and the LED technology, I discovered that these would be great sources of light. For aquarium uses, a lot of the characteristics. What what was one of
1: the first applications of LED uh, for aquarium purposes?
2: Actually, this is a fun one. The the first application was the LED Moonlight. Um, It was a product that we had created. We we essentially started Moonlights in the aquarium industry. Uh, Now you see them all over the place. And it was a really exciting product because it opened up a whole new world to our aquariums. Um, Animals could actually swim and hunt at night and see copepods and different things like that, Uh, um, um, polyp extension, coral fluorescence. You know, there was just so many things that were starting to open up to us with the LED. But one thing I do want to say quickly about the LED Moonlight, because I've had this question come up. LED Moonlight, the product was based on the wavelength of light that corals most responded to at such low intensities because moonlight itself is essentially about 20 lumens or something like that actually reaching the coral so it's, it's very low intensity and because of that it's the longer wavelengths of light that naturally made it down through the shorter wavelengths of light either got reflected or absorbed so it was really down into like the 470 through about 440 nanometer range of light where the corals were really responding to the moonlight which is why the moonlights you see are, in fact, blue. But if we wanted, as you know, if we wanted to create true moonlight, we would use a true white source of light. Right. But the problem is, is that that would give you a very washed-out effect in your aquarium. And I hate to put it so bluntly, but it just wouldn't look cool. Right. So they opted with the blue, and, 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 and so that was the beginning of one of the first products.
1: Um, so I understand that there's a lot of different LEDs out in the in the market, and can you tell me a little bit about some of the different LEDs and the difference between um, just fundamentally between a high flux and a low flux LED?
2: Sure. The big difference, the big difference in LEDs. One of the big differences, simply put, is size. And what I mean by size is you have LEDs that'll come in one millimeter and 3 millimeter. Now those LEDs are typically the standard LEDs that most people are used to seeing. It looks it. like a little cap. It's a low-flux LED. That's what you call just an indicator LED. Exactly. Indicator LEDs also a low-flux LED. Um, um, flux is, is, is essentially another measurement for light. So obviously low-flux is low-output. High-flux is high-output. Um, but it's when you get into the 5 millimeter and larger LEDs, which is what our company primarily works with, that's where the light output, and it, it's just a, a you, would literally, you would literally probably have to take anywhere from 10 to 20 or greater sometimes, depending on the quality and the manufacture of the LED, to do the work of one of the five millimeter or larger LEDs that we might typically work with any day. Um, so I understand that uh,
1: LEDs seem to be very specific in the performance relative to their environment. Can you talk a little about um, just how critical is it for LEDs to get rid of heat and uh, how they operate under different temperatures?
2: It is so critical. It is so critical. It's like the CPU in your computer. They need to operate at a very specific temperature to achieve not only optimum performance, but optimum life expectancy. When they're exposed to too much heat, the deterioration factor just Plummets. And the problem with LEDs is that they, won't, they usually won't fail instantaneously, but they can fail in as little as 500 to 1,000 hours if not uh, managed or, or what we call thermal management, if, if not handled and, and, and placed correctly. So,
1: I mean, I've attended a couple of your talks, and it's my understanding that uh, if they're in less than ideal con- conditions, they won't necessarily die right
2: away, but they'll just deteriorate in quality not only in quality, but also in spectral output. Spectral output will will definitely be affected, especially in the case where you start using phosphors in combination with the LED's dyes themselves.
1: Um, another thing that I'd like to touch upon is um, LEDs put out very specific wavelengths of light. Can you talk about some of the, the potential that that
2: has and um just kind of how LEDs behave based on the wavelength? Sure, sure. And, and, and actually, that's a very correct statement. Most LEDs are what we call a monochromatic source of light, meaning their output is very specific. Um, there are cases, like I've mentioned a couple of times, where we use phosphors on top of the dye, and then we create full-spectrum light. But the advantage of the monochromatic LED is that we can target very specific wavelengths of light. Um, there's a lot of... Uh, um there 's a lot of documented papers, Gorbanov and fugues and, and I can just go on and on and on and on about specific wavelengths of light and corals. Well, now, for the first time it 's very exciting, but now, for the first time, we can target those wavelengths and monitor the results and and, and monitor the the response in, in corals and, and and the other advantage is by now combining these monochromatic sources where we can target very specific wavelengths of light. We can create a very clean form of light. And what I mean by clean is, this is the light the corals want. Most other light sources generate light across a very broad bandwidth, if you will. The coral doesn't want all of that light. There's very specific sections of that light that are critical to the coral. Well, guess what a lot of the other light that the coral doesn't want, the algae and a lot of the nuisance organisms do. So we can kind of filter that stuff out and target just for the corals. And and, and again, the applications, it, it, it's very exciting because we can, we, we can start targeting these wavelengths.
1: Now, uh, I guess when LEDs first started becoming popular, uh, not at all undue to some of your presentations that you've started to do in the last five years or so. Um, I've looked at quite a number of LEDs and uh, they seem to all have kind of specific directivity. Can you talk about
2: some of the applications of the directivity and how that affects? Yes. You know, yeah sure and, and and that is one of the other big major differences in LEDs. Most typical LEDs your low flux LED, that indicator LED typical angle of radiation could be anywhere and, and and what I mean by angle of radiation is the 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 light coming off the LED itself facing downward because most LEDs emit light straight forward or in the case of aquariums downward, so that typical angle of radiation would probably be anywhere from. Maybe twenty to sixty degrees it's very narrow it 's a very concentrated uh, a beam of light, if you will. now some of the LED, basically the LEDs that we typically work with have a minimal angle of radiation of hundred and sixty degrees and sometimes up to one hundred and eighty degrees, which really affects how we treat them because if you take a low flux LED uh, and put a reflector on it. The reflector is essentially useless because the light is shooting down into the aquarium and never actually hits the reflector itself. So many times if you see a low-flux LED or, or you know, one of these devices, because there are moonlight products like that out in the industry, and you see some kind of reflector in there, well, that's more for decoration and to make it look cool than have any actual use. Now with the LEDs that we use, again, with that wider angle of radiation, you can now incorporate reflectors to kind of direct the light where you want into the aquarium.
1: Now, um, in your talk, something that you... Touch upon very strongly is uh, luminous efficiency, and you kind of compare how LEDs have progressed uh, almost tenfold. You know, every few years over time. Um, give me a few numbers on l- luminous efficiency, and com- can you compare that to uh, some of the standard bulbs that we use in aquarium. Sure,
0: today?
2: sure. Basically, basically, a, a, a real simple rule of thumb is fluorescent technology, and and this includes T5s, power compacts, any fluorescent style bulb. Typical fluorescent technology ranges, well, between, let's say, 70 to 90 lumens per watt. Now, when you go to metal halide, most metal halide systems, the given average is between 90 and 110 lumens per watt. And the reason why that's a, a, a broad number is because of quality of bulb you know there's a lot of other factors to the fact that so the max value is 110 for a halide max value is usually about 90 uh, um, for your fluorescence now with leds we've reached uh, uh, um, that threshold if you will so if you've got 110 lumens per watt with a metal halide that rule of thumb is basically if you took a 150 watt metal halide lamp and did the math you would calculate the, the, the lumens. With LEDs, we've now reached the threshold of, of nearly 150 lumens per watt. It's very, it, it, it's very exciting, but the real exciting thing is what's gonna happen in the next couple of years. And that's typically LEDs have increased in performance and in efficiency by 35% every single
1: year. And that's not unlike uh, kind of some of the, the growth that CPUs have seen.
2: Exactly, exactly. And well, here's the funny thing about it. What is a CPU made out of? Semiconductor material. The, ba- the, the basis of the LED is essentially semiconductor material. That's what creates the die. And one quick point I'd like to inject in there just super quickly is the other fascinating thing about the LED is, is, in short, the way that LED works is you have a positively charged piece of semiconductor material, negatively charged piece of semiconductor material. Kind of like when you take magnets, as these electrons pull each other back and forth that that energy is is basically a photon. The energy produced comes out in photons, which is a basic unit of light. so what makes an LED really cool is it 's literally like this photon pump right it's it 's truly like a light engine
1: so um one thing that you discuss a lot is uh, the difference between columnization and reflection. can you Give me a brief definition of each and how each is really important in increasing the uh, performance of LEDs.
2: Yeah, yes. There is actually a, a, a big difference between columnization and reflected light. And, and, and the major differences or, or one of the major limiting factors with, with collimated light, basically what they're doing, um, again, if you were using a low-flux LED, collimating the light Guess what? You don't collimate a low-flux LED because it's already essentially collimated. It has a very narrow bandwidth of light. The reason why they started the of of, of of LEDs, uh, the larger LEDs, 5 millimeter, um, and with the wider radiation angles, is simply for, it actually started with stage lighting so that they could create spots and different things like that. Um, the problem with the colonization of light is there's actually a lot of light loss. Due to the quality of the optic itself, the exact placement of the optic itself. Now,
1: when you say the optic, what are you referring to?
2: Um, the optic is essentially like a lens. You know, just think of, of of a specialized lens that they put over the LED that basically takes the light and brings it into a narrow band. So that a a typical a, a typical optic will take one of our LEDs and it'll give it an angle of radiation of anywhere from 20 to 60 degrees, like a low-flux LED. Now, how be it if you put a column as, if you put a collimating optic on one of our LEDs, it will definitely be a lot brighter than a low-flux LED. The problem is this with aquarium use. With aquarium use, this can create one or two problems. If, by some strange chance, you would have an LED directly over a coral, with a collimated optic, you could actually burn that coral. Because LEDs, in, in fact, the LEDs that we work with, certain LEDs are in fact class two laser devices. <laughs> wow! If you start focusing these photons, yes, you can burn an LED. But it's funny because even at, at close range you can you can you can concentrate the light. But now what happens is that the best optic to date unless you're going to like laboratory and scientific grade, which as you and I both know is way too expensive for any commercial-based products, um, is about 85% efficient. So you're losing 15% of your light before the light ever leaves the optic itself. With reflection of light, with reflection of light and and our wider angle of, of radiation, we're able to treat the light not unlike a metal halide where you have a very bright very bright single point source of light. And by adding the reflector, what happens is we're concentrating the light downward into the aquarium. Now, even though you do, even though you do experience a a six to 7% light loss, when that light bounces off the reflector, the achieved usable light gain is four times greater, depending on the reflector design can be four times greater than the optic itself. So, the difference is, is with a collimating optic, you're collimating the light, but the light is limited by the output of the LED. With reflection of light, you could take that same amount of light and increase the usable light by up to four times.
1: So uh, if LEDs are so great, and uh, it's been over five years since the moonlights came out, what's the uh, what's the holdup in producing uh, full, uh, full LED aquarium lighting? And um, do you think that there's any potential for perhaps... People to start with just actinic LEDs for supplementation before they go um, all the way to full LED lighting.
2: I think I think the best I think the best thing to do is in fact start with actinic supplementation first because right now I can I can confidently and and and, and honestly sit here and tell you that LEDs are the best source in the world for actinic supplementation. Uh, limits for full spectrum. Systems one obviously is cost that's a major uh, uh, that's a major issue we're dealing with right now but something else that I haven't discussed a lot and probably somebody like yourself would be better suited to answer the question would be that most LEDs don't emit UV and I'm curious as to with your acroporas and other corals like that how that's going to affect them right for most of the other corals anything let's say 10 feet and below it it, it, it doesn't matter the LED is fine but if you're going to create a general fixture for aquarium use, I'm not one thousand percent sold that lack of UV will not affect coloration and and, and other characteristics of some of your ac- acropora. Now I do have technology where we can introduce that UV supplementation, um, but but again, it's 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 not a ways off. We're just working out a couple of the little bugs, if you will, for for, gen, for specialized products, for nanotanks, for different projects. Yes, we can do LED lighting right now, but LED lighting for the masses, cost, and still some final testing that I would like to see, even myself, is, is, is the limiting factor at this point.
1: So it was, it was about a year ago that the, the first full LED fixture came out, the PFO Solaris fixture. Yes. Um, can you tell me some of your thoughts on
2: that? And just kind of how it seems to be received right now in the uh, aquarium hobby. Well, it's 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 nice to see that the Solaris is is getting a lot of attention because obviously people are fascinated by this new technology. Um, the Solaris itself was a a a a a good attempt at a first run product for LED technology. Um, we as a company obviously opted to wait a little bit longer. Uh, the design and the basics of the Solaris, I mean, it's, it it can be a cool fixture if you understand its limitations. But again, you know, in in, in in my personal opinion, I would have liked to see things go another year or two before a system like that was
1: released. So uh, <clears throat> how long is it going to be till we can expect some uh, really fancy fixtures from you?
2: Well, as you've seen in my talk today, I just I demonstrated that little 18 watt fixture and, and blinded a bunch of people. But but uh, you know we're really excited about that. Um, probably within the next, probably about within the next six months, you will see the floodgates open up in our company, if you will, and
1: you'll see products reaching the. But, but for uh, now, those, those fixtures will be a
2: little bit smaller size and probably better suited to nanotanks. Exactly. Exactly. And that, you know, nanotanks are easier to control. They're easier to monitor. We can study these closely. And, 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 and you know, again, because I'm a reef guy and, 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 and you know, I just don't want to put a technology or a product out there prematurely. But the exciting thing is, is again, as you've seen with the fixture I demonstrated today, um, the potential is clearly there. Right. The fixtures are are definitely bright enough, but again, we just want to see a little bit more testing, maybe a few months just to finish up on some things that we're working on before we can conscientiously release the technology to the public and properly demonstrate the abilities of LEDs. uh,
1: Just last night, uh, you were uh, telling me a few anecdotes about uh, the durability of the LEDs. Uh, Would you like to repeat some of that?
2: oh we 've had fun I mean i 've done demonstrations where i've literally taken one of our fixtures and ran it over with a car. Um, I had another situation quick 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 story a uh, uh, an Asian manufacturer had seen me at a lighting show with our light fixture systems and was coming over and essentially trying to poke holes into the fixture and the technology itself. Um, deciding to have a little fun, I proceeded to take my fixture and literally slam it into a solid steel pole. The noise was so loud that the booths, probably five, six, seven, within a a given radius, uh, everybody just stopped and looked at me because the noise through the steel pole just rang through (laughs) the building. Plugged in the fixture and it still worked. And then I proceeded to tell this same lighting manufacturer vendor if I could walk over to his booth and try the same thing (laughs) with one of his light fixtures. And he readily declined and walked away. Yeah, okay. Um, and, and the other thing is, is a, lot of our, um, a lot of our LED systems are very resistant to moisture and water. You know, they can be sealed easily. The LED component itself is actually sealed very well. So they're very durable, it, it, impervious, literally impervious to shock. Um, they will withstand extreme temperatures, even for storage. Uh, so, so, yes, it's a very durable technology.
1: Well, um, that's kind of getting uh, to the end of uh, the questions that I had for you. Uh, Is there any more that you'd like to add that you don't think we've covered yet?
2: Um, No, I think, I I, I mean, really, I think think we've covered a lot of the, just, just to expect some really, oh, the one thing I would like to add before we leave, though, be very careful of the LED products you do purchase. Because there are many LED products in our aquarium industry right now. That are a poor representation of the ability of LEDs and that's what happens somebody goes out and buys an inexpensive moonlight device and says this is an LED well no, that's not an LED because I mean jake we've we've known each other for a few years, and you've seen where I've taken one of our moonlight devices, and yes you can light up an aquarium right and they're not that much more expensive you know if you have to pay if you have to pay fifty sixty seventy eighty bucks. For a quality moonlight device, the difference is, is you're going to light up your whole aquarium. If you think you're going to spend fifteen or twenty dollars on a cheaper product, what you'll find out is you'll need six, seven, or eight right, to right. really get the same effect that you're going to get with the dappling and the rippling. So and the this is like everything else—you get what you pay for. Exactly, exactly. So, so so that that's the biggest problem I see today is that most people are looking at the less expensive or the knockoffs, and 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 that's not what LEDs are about. That's not
1: what Well, thank you very much for uh, joining me, Tulio. I hope our uh, listeners will find this to be a, a very interesting and informative talk. And uh, we look forward to future products from you.
2: Hey, Jake, listen, thank you very much, man. It was great hanging out with you this weekend. And uh, we look forward to talking again soon. All right.